You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Three Kiki Ladies. I'm Suzette Gilbert, and my co-hosts, Elisa Paselli and Vicki Stokes, have the week off this week, so I hope they're enjoying their summer and enjoying themselves. I know I'm certainly not enjoying the hot, steamy weather here in Dallas, but I am very excited because I will be interviewing a fabulous sketch artist whose blogs and work I have followed for some time. Her name is France Belleville Van Stone, and she is a prolific sketch artist. She has two blogs, wagonized.com and wagonized.tumblr.com. And I have those blog links in the show notes. So if you want to check out her work and her blogs before you listen to the interview, you're in for quite a treat. What's special about France is that you will never believe this, but she's self-taught. Her work does, I mean, her work is just exquisite. She does beautiful cross-hatching and she has this amazing capability of being so adept at drawing with ink and pencil on paper with or without watercolor as well as the iPad. She even draws on her iPhone. So I'm really excited to talk with her about you know her process, how she got started in drawing. We'll discuss uh, her motivation to keep drawing every day. She also in addition to being a French teacher, she has authored a book about drawing. It's called Sketch, the Non-Artist's Guide to Inspiration, Technique, and Drawing Daily Life. And I will have that Amazon link in the show notes as well. And she also teaches at Danny Gregory's Sketchbook School. Now, if you don't know who Danny Gregory is, that's another interview, I hope. <laughs> but Danny has several books on drawing, and he has... Um, created this sketchbook school where France teaches as well as other sketchers, urban sketchers or artists. And it's really nice because you do it online, you pay for a certain amount of classes for a certain amount of time, and you get just, you know, great first-rate instruction on sketching and drawing and being inspired. So I will have that link in the show notes as well. So I'm looking forward to discussing with France all about art and her work. And I'm hoping that it compels you, our listeners, to pick up your iPad or in a stylus and start doodling and drawing or pen and uh, paper and and get going on on doing some artwork. So let's go talk to France. Hi, France. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm well. Welcome to Three Kiki Ladies. We're thrilled to have you on. Um, And I, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, you're a self-taught artist, right? You, did you did you take classes when you were in school or were your parents artists or artistic or creative or how did you get started? <laughs> well, really my background is is not completely artless. I did not go to art school. The last art lesson I had our last art class was in 7th grade and my art teacher was my uh, my language arts teacher, really. So it, there was really nothing very formal going on. 
um, even though I loved it. But that was really the last time, 1986. Wow. So that's great. <laughs> but I was raised with definitely, um, you know, I won't lie to you and say that art was never in my life because that wouldn't be genuine. My parents got divorced when I was three and my mom remarried. My stepfather played, I think, a huge part in in my appreciation of art. He himself uh, was a sculptor, painter. Later on, he started his own business and advertising agency. And art was always part of our life, mostly because of books. We had a huge library of art books. So it was always at arm's reach, and it seemed to matter. It seemed as though art was really a big, important thing in my parents' life. They took us to museums. They took us to my stepfather's exhibits and things like that. So it, it mattered somehow. And I think, that's, I think that's nice when you have at least some type of, uh, you know, exposure when you're young, you know, to art. For me, I, it wasn't until I went to Paris and went to the Louvre and, you know, I, I became totally enamored with art. So France... France <laughs> has always, you know, been very special to me because of that. Because I, my parents were not really artistic. So now, as far as drawing, though, France, because you know, you said in your book Sketch, which I had mentioned in the intro, I love that book. I think it's so inspirational. I think you did a wonderful job, you know, explaining how you got started in art, and you know, what made you, what compelled you to pick up the pencil and just start doing it again? Because you are self-taught, right? You didn't. Yeah. Um, what really, I think there, there was a watershed moment. And, and I say that in my book exactly 10 years ago. I mean, we're talking almost to the day because I started my blog on July 17th, 2006. And that's around that time um, that I got inspired by a friend of mine, Raheli, um, who one time told me about Danny Gregory, <laughs> who draws everything and he draw, draws what's around him. And that concept had never occurred to me. The concept of just looking around you and just drawing random things. I had mostly drawn from my head. I had drawn portraits that took hours. And then suddenly I'm discovering this person, Danny Gregory, who basically encourages you to look at the glass in front of you and just jot it down, just translate it into drawing. And that really was it, just such an important moment for me. And that's how I started drawing again, but more on a regular basis, because suddenly it became affordable. It became like the thing that I could do, because suddenly you're like, okay, yeah, a glass of water, I can draw that, can do it right now. Yes. And it, it, you know, instead of making a whole ceremony of making like a big, oh, I'm going to draw a portrait tonight, you know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have the right music, the right lighting and everything. Well, suddenly it was like, no, we're not going to make it a ceremony. We're just going to draw. And it's just going to be this one thing. You know, France, I think that's really um, interesting you should say that because I think people feel that way. They have to set up the perfect still life. They, they end up putting all of these obstacles in their path and they get so intimidated and then they say, oh, well, you know, tomorrow. You know what I used to do when I used to check out your blog? I'm, I'm fessing up here. This is a <laughs> Suze confession. Is I would look at your blog and I'd say, oh, France didn't post a drawing today. Well, if she didn't draw today, I don't have to either. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, Danny, um, because Danny's story is very interesting, too. You know how he started with his book, Everyday Matters, and he really um, 
kind of just felt compelled to draw everything. And I think he's inspired a lot of people. So I think it's interesting, you know, you mentioned Danny. But now, because I know in your book for me, what I thought was really interesting, you just took a mushroom. And if people think this is a, France is going to teach you exactly how to draw, you can't because you really have to practice. I mean, that's what drawing is. It's a practice. It's it's like meditation or it's like, you know, Absolutely. practicing cooking or, you know, you have to put the work into it if you want to see improvement. But I love the way I love your cross hatching. I think you are the cro- you and Andrea Joseph are like the cross hatching <laughs> ma- mistresses or masters of the world. I tell you, uh, but, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she is. But I think um, like your mushroom, you know, developing that form. I think sometimes people get very frustrated with drawing is because they can't make something look like what they're seeing. You know, it's that dimension. They want to make a 2D object into a three-dimensional drawing. And, but she, I think you did a wonderful uh, exercise, France, with, uh, with the mushroom. And, you know, you basically showed your technique right there, you know, so. Well, hopefully it did, it did help, although, it, you know, it, it was only one of the little things that I did. And maybe I should have done more step-by-step step rather no. than just maybe four, four steps. But on the other hand, you know, there's only so much that you can explain to someone until you tell them now you just have to do it yourself and just try and try again. And, and as I always say, you know, I did so many failed crosshatch drawings to get to, to this, frankly, you know, and, and that's, that's how it goes. I, I do not believe in talent. I know this is something that bothers a lot of people, including friends of mine who teach art who still will use the word talent. I do not believe in it, not one bit. I believe in work. I believe in the skill that you hone. And and again, something I mentioned in my book, if there is such a thing as talent, is the belief that whatever work that is, however many hours we, we put into it, it matters. And that's it. Like having that motivation to just like plow through hours of drawing. I agree with you. I'm not a big Malcolm Gladstone fan, but he did mention about, he had a book, and of course the name escapes me right at the moment, but he had, it was, the the essence was, I think you have to put like 10,000 hours before you can master something. But I think drawing to me, if you look at like the great artists like Picasso and um, Egon Schiele and, and all of them, they made drawing a daily practice. I mean, they were constantly working out, Degas was constantly working out compositions by drawing and practicing. And when you look at da Vinci's notebooks, I mean, it, these were masters, but you can just see them. No, I didn't quite th- get that right. I think for me, Van Gogh is an artist that... Oh, be- thank you for mentioning him. I was beginners, just about Beginners need to embrace. When we were in um, our last year, at the Fondation uh, Van Gogh, they had a Van Gogh's drawings. And what is it, because in Europe, listeners, they don't say Van Gogh, they say Van Gogh. So if you, yes, they, they have do. to know that because <laughs> they might get all confused. But when you um, go there, you can see where Van Gogh did not start off really with any innate talent. He was struggling and you could see that his proportions were wrong and his arms were wrong and his, his shoes were wrong. I mean, what we consider wrong and he kept working, he kept honing. And I just think when you see the breadth of his work and see just how 
just that practice every day, he just became a master. It, it really takes my breath away. I mean, and he had just a short time, 10 years. Yes. <laughs> and, and to think also, um, because I follow a lot of, uh, of whatever's online about uh, Van Gogh, I'm a big fan of his drawings. And the last two years of his life, he was still so productive. And to think, when you look really closely at each drawing, even though he had gotten so much better, there were still things that he was not doing. Again, I hate to say right, but that according to, I guess, the rules of art or the rules of perspective, et cetera, et cetera, um, was not necessarily perfect. And that's so reassuring to me to see even after hours and hours of drawing sometimes, well, no, it didn't probably uh, end up being a very successful drawing, but you know what? He kept drawing. Exactly. And that's, and that's the beauty of his work is how much of it there is. You see how many of them are dated from, 90, uh, from 1888. It's amazing. Hundreds. Hundreds. And he, he was racked with self-doubt racked with self-doubt his his letters to Teo he was just constantly questioning himself and I thought oh my gosh you know and I I just think that you know for our listeners that are curious about Francis book you buy it because I have it I have it on my Kindle and I have a hard copy because I'm using it for like I uh, mentioned to you before we started recording for a drawing class I'm teaching because I think it's important that people take the motivation away and then they do the work you know, it's not, there's not a magic pill to make you um, draw like uh, France Belleville, France Stone. If, if there was, you'd be marketing it right now. But that, that being said, France, is, um, do you, have you ever had an artistic block? I mean, have you ever gone through a period of just like you are not motivated to draw, family, life is just, it's in the way, and you teach French, correct? I do. I teach French. I teach high school. And anybody who is listening who is a teacher will understand how uh, time-consuming that gets because it spills over, well, whatever time you, you, you dedicate to it, really. It can, it can get really ridiculous how much time you can dedicate to lesson planning and grading. So that in itself could be a huge roadblock, and choosing to really limit my work time has been a huge uh, help in continuing drawing. But also, you know, having a child, becoming a mom, that, that particular moment really I had to shift. When I became a mom, when I gave birth, it really was a moment where I had to rethink uh, the way I was drawing because suddenly I didn't have two hours ahead of me to, to draw anything. I didn't have that freedom um, to just say, well, you know what, I'll just finish it later. No, I, I had 20 minutes. It was right now. The baby was asleep, and <laughs> it was going to be what it was going to be. And, and it, took, it did take me a little bit of a, an adjustment to shift from having the time, having all this luxury of, well, you know what, I'll stop work now. now. Well, the baby just sort of dictated uh, another schedule, and I had to work around it. And in a way, it was a blessing because... It taught me to be happy with 10 or 15 or 20, and if I was lucky, 30 minutes of drawing. If I was really lucky, an hour, if it was a good nap, and you know, I could even right. do a lo- load or two or laundry and clean. Um, but really, that I, I, I don't want to talk about roadblocks so much or just, you know, um, but there were, there were moments where I really had to reevaluate how I was doing things. But... You know, it's like everything else. You either choose to be a victim of it 
or you choose to turn it into, well, a, a new way of doing something. That's all there is to it. Because you're a proponent of 10-minute drawings, just taking 10 minutes, and it is mm-hmm. what it is. Because you mentioned that in your book, you know, because you sketch a lot during your meetings in school. And <laughs> yes, I do. I, I love the drawings of, you know, when the kids are taking a test and you do their shoes yes. and their legs. And I'm thinking that's brilliant because, you know, that's like Da Vinci. He would just take, he would pick a body part and he would yes. draw, draw, draw the body part. And I think that's really smart. Like if you're on a train, I mean, anywhere in the doctor's waiting room. Anywhere, pick a, absolutely. Pick a body part, something you know, I find that if people think you're drawing their face when you're, you're you mm-hmm. know, they start to get very, you know, fidgety and they get conscientious. But if you're just drawing their feet, I mean, you're looking down, you're just drawing their feet. That's usually why I do so. Absolutely. And, and, and if it's not a person, if you feel maybe a little too, ah, oh, either, uh, I don't know, maybe it feels too creepy to draw somebody, just draw the corner of the chair, draw the, the knob on the door. It doesn't matter what it is, really. Anything that can Anything can be drawn, first of all. <laughs> so, uh, frankly, it, it doesn't have to be anything that has to look good. And uh, and those 10 minutes or 15 minutes or more um, can turn into great opportunities to do things that you would never pay attention to otherwise. Is there one particular subject you really struggle with drawing? I find it hard to believe you struggle. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, are you ready for this? Because (laughs) you're touching on something. I am looking out my window right now. There's this gigantic, beautiful tree, which is basically in my face every day, reminding me how much I dread drawing trees. Really? Yes, I do. And it is something that is hard to overcome. Um, but I try every now and then, but if you really look at, you know, there are not too many tree drawings in my, uh, in all of my drawings out there because I just avoid them altogether. You know, if I draw a street and there's a tree in the middle, I'll find a way to sort of avoid drawing it. And it's so much cheating going on, but really it is because I haven't yet found, and that's also one of my big lacks because I never, you know, had a formal, um, training in, in art is that, um, yeah, the, the whole drawing of tree, I have not found the, the key, you know, the way to find a shortcut. So I'm still kind of s- struggling with that quite a bit. And trees are everywhere. You would think, oh, my gosh, trees you are know, everywhere. I should be embracing them. And I should and I will. And it's, it's on my list. You know, I have a bucket list of things to master before I go. And uh, no, really, I, really. And, and drawing trees is, is, is a big one. You know whose trees I particularly enjoy is, um, have you ever seen Ian Sidaway? He is Ian Sidaway. He's a, uh, I think he's British. I want, I, I want to make sure I get, it's, it's not Irish. He's British. And if you go to Ian Sidaway, he's, he's another, uh, he's an older artist that has been around for a long time, written a lot of books. Um, the Color Mixer's Bible is one of them. But his drawing, he has Anne Sidaway's Fine Line, and that's a blog, and his trees are just ridiculously, it's oh, all, wow. all, all done with cross-hatching, and it's just Ooh. his own way of scribbling cross-hatching. It's, it's, oh, I look at his stuff, and I feel so inadequate. <laughs> now, you may not be able to draw trees right now, but your, your Volvos and <laughs> your cars, I look at your cars, I think, how does she do that they're so spot on France how did you begin with cars to get them so correct oh um well again if we were doing this uh on video and if if your (laughs) listeners could see 
um, you know, the extent of my sketchbooks that are covered with failed car drawings. Um, and, and that's maybe the, the part where, as artists, maybe we're allowed to cheat. We only really show the world the ones that we're happy with. You know, a lot of my car drawings that are out there are definitely the ones that I thought were um, worthy of being shown. But um, there are lots of them that have, for example, and that's a big lesson that I, that I learned quickly when I started drawing cars. I mostly use moleskin um, sketchbooks for cars mm -hmm. and they're those long watercolor moleskins because they will really take the color really nicely you can definitely go and pretty heavy on the watercolor and it won't bulk it's it's really nice um however uh, there are pages where i would have started i usually start on the on the left hand side i call it the western part of the page <laughs> and then move east um, and then i would like run out of space how many volvos have i done where the trunk could not fit. I mean, it's bad because, and that's partly one of the things that I, I was insist, is insistent upon was to just go straight in pen right from the beginning, not go in pencil first. It kind of takes away from the goofiness of a drawing when you, when you prepare it too much with a pencil. Yeah. Um, I, I hes hesitate to do that. I've done it, don't get me wrong. Some of my car drawings have been done, but a very small minority of them. Um, I usually just go with a pen and just go, what the heck with it? You know, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And and yeah, a lot of times it's sad, sad results. Uh, I, I Bravo. Yeah. But I, because, you know, usually I'll cover up. If I have a bad drawing, I'll just cover up with paper or collage something and I'll draw on top oh, of that. That's nice. I like I'm that thinking, idea. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I don't want people to see how bad that drawing was. <laughs> now, do you find, though, you learn more from your mistakes than you do your successes with drawing? If it's something successful, you think, oh, okay, you know, that's definitely... Or do you find that when you have to, like your trees, for instance, and you're struggling with them, you're really learning because it's forcing you to really look at something and try to, to put it on the page? I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I agree... 100% for that in life, that we, we learn more from our failures, but definitely also in drawing, because once you struggle to do something and it is just not coming out right, even the process, you know from, you're like 10% of the way in, and you know already that there's something that's not going well. Right. Um, how many times have I continued thinking, okay, well, maybe if I do this and this, it just didn't work. Um, that really taught me, I'm thinking of one in particular, I, I was... Um, uh, living out in near uh, uh, Newark, New Jersey, whatever. I was driving in my car looking for a house to draw. And I started drawing this random house that I thought was going to look great. I had an hour ahead of me. I was going to draw from the, my car window. It was raining a little bit, so I was staying in my car. And, yeah, I drew that house. Mm -hmm. And it was a catastrophe <laughs> because I had never understood this. This is um, a while back, but still it's worth mentioning because I went all the way through. I did. I, I went as far as I could go in that drawing, but I had not grasped the whole perspective thing. Mm -hmm. So it, it was all wonky. And yet my brain couldn't see it any other way. Later on, of course, I, I talked to uh, my fellow art teachers who told me a little bit about two-point perspective and three-point right. perspective and so forth. And suddenly I saw the light and I was like, oh my gosh, of course, that's why things look that way. But um, that house taught me 
that I couldn't do it that way, that I couldn't trust what my eyes were seeing or what my brain was making of what my eyes were seeing. I think that's the key, right, I think. Right. So definitely, and, but having gone through that, that big failed drawing was useful because I, I didn't draw another house like that again. See, and you know, I think perspective is hard when people are first learning um, how to draw. That is, I think, always challenging, two and three point perspective. Oh, yes. But also, there's a, a, a phenomenon in photography, you know, when you're drawing a building, they used to use tilt shift lenses, you know, because there's this thing mm-hmm. called keystoning. So, That's right. oh, you know, and that when you're drawing and, and you and you actually can have keystoning with your eyes where you're actually making the base a lot, you know, larger mm-hmm. than you are the, the top. So, yeah, it, it helps sometimes to draw those perspective lines. I, I noticed that you also use Procreate because you are a fat. I you, do. France, your digital work is just so lovely and just so inspiring because you know i have the small ipad pro and the apple pencil now and i had a whole um podcast on just how much i love it (laughs) yes the you called it the baby pro right i call it the baby pro and Mm -hmm. i found that it was a real game changer and i really love procreate and i do you use the perspective i noticed that now they had a um a perspective. It was like an in-app purchase. And I, I purchased it because I want to support Savage Interactive because they're okay. such a great company. But do you ever find you have to put perspective lines when you're drawing digitally on the oh, iPad? No, not at all. It's funny. I, I did not even know about those, um, about this in-app purchase here you're just mentioning. Um, no, I find that digitally and partly because of how easy it is to step back from, you know, a a line that you're not happy with. Right. Um, I can go sometimes two or three times and not be happy with a line. I backtrack, I backtrack, and then finally the line looks kind of right, and then I keep going. So, no, I I don't find myself, although, you know what, I I take it back a little bit because with paper, um, when I doodle cars, like late at night, and again, I don't want to spend a day without drawing, so I'm going to draw cars, which is one of my favorite things to draw. <laughs> and they're like little whatever cars from my head. I I will like train myself to do um, what I, I learned from my friend who's an art teacher at my school, those lines that you do when you do that two-point perspective and uh, sort of make that diamond and draw the car inside it with the crazy perspective um, that I do. And I keep them as is because I don't want to remove those lines. I think they're part of the drawing. Yeah. So it's kind of fun, but that's really about the extent of it. Otherwise, if I really want to draw a car, I, I don't use uh, construction lines. The, actually, the in-app purchase was before the brand new update. Now it's free, I think. And oh, really? Mm, but I'll, yeah. I'll check it out. I'm curious. Yeah. But on the other hand, Suze, I'm a little... Um, ambivalent when it comes to all those bells and whistles yeah, because I'm, I I'm always afraid that they become crutches and they become, yep. you know, then then you go to a piece of paper and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that because, you know, my iPad helped me do this and that. And I think that's dangerous to a certain extent to uh, to rely on on tools that otherwise would, yeah, would make it too easy. You know, it's like I, I play some guitar and... If you learn to play guitar on an electric guitar, it's much easier. And then you go to an acoustic guitar and you really struggle. Whereas I think if you start on the acoustic guitar, then everything's easy, in my opinion. Well, I think yeah. that's the case with, with a real you know, piece of paper and pencil. You just struggle with the, your mistakes and then the digital sort of like takes care of itself. 
Yeah, because I know when I first bought an iPad and Paper by 53 came out, mm-hmm. I loved that app. I loved Me it. Me too. I was in there love was, with it immediately. There, yeah, there was some things, you know, tweaks along the way that, you know, I would put in a review and say, come on, guys, stop doing this, you know. Then I started to get hostile because then they changed the entire app. And it's this... Oh, I have so much to say about that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm so upset. I'm thinking, you know, George and company, why would you take, why don't they have a paper by 53 classic for people that don't want to import a photo? That was the beauty. It made you just, it was bare bones and it made you look at something. And, you know, you could always, you know, just trash it if you didn't like it. But it, it was like taking a piece of paper over and over and just keep practicing. And I find that now... When I, I don't like some of the work that's coming out of paper by 53 now as far as the artists because I think they're just tracing over, over I totally photos. agree. This is one of the, <laughs> oh my gosh, Suze, you are, you are just speaking with my words because um, I feel exactly the same way. The moment that feature was introduced, the, the feature, the capacity to import a photo, then it sort of uh, skewed everything in my opinion. Suddenly you were looking at art by people and then you're like well did they just then trace it mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. and that's really unfortunate because uh, again that bare bones the, the the stuff that we love so much about paper um which is so close to a piece of paper and that's why that that name i think was so apt um it, we're moving further and further away from that uh, i have at least five or six different things that i find fault with now with the app and one of them is the import of the image yeah i think they made it too hipster and i'm disappointed with that because that they should have created a separate app that's how i feel if you wanted to have note taking because they turned a fabulous app to me into a mediocre app it's just another note taking app and i mean i still use it but i find that um you know, I've started to use, uh, oh, it's Zen Paper too. I don't like it as well, but, you know, you're always trying to search for that bare bones app that just feels like a piece of paper. I love Procreate. I mean, that's probably my favorite app in the app store, but I miss the old paper. I downgraded to the old app for a long time, and then I finally said, the heck with it, because, mm-hmm. you know, I accidentally pressed update all and update, and I said, oh, the heck with it. You know, it's, it's I it's also did resist, I did resist that, that big update, the major one where we lost the sketchbook look, yes. the one where the, the sketchbooks opened and closed for... I love for, that. For those listeners who, who <laughs> did use uh, Paper by 53 before, oh my gosh, I forgot when it came out, but that sketchbook look where you, you, you tapped on your sketchbook and it opened and you just flipped and everything was so flawless. It was, it, it was really like a moleskin. It was mm-hmm. like a digital moleskin. I mean, you just, yeah. it, it was, and then actually they did pair up with moleskin because you could print out your, you could oh, print right. out your yes. sketchbooks. Yeah, I never did now that, but I know Now it it's just option. messy. Well, they had a messy stack paper and then they, I don't, I don't know. I, I have my issues. What'd you think about their stylus pencil by 53 stylus. Do you still use that print since I, the Apple pencil? I do. And I'll tell you why. Um, I own two iPads. Um, uh, originally I, I got an iPad for my birthday in 2012, which was right around the time that paper came out spring 2012. Yeah. So it coincided with the beginning of paper. I found it online, used it every day. 
the pencil didn't exist yet. I was using a really cheap, you know, some of those things that you find at Staples, yeah. cheap uh, stylus that really grabbed the surface. Horrible. <laughs> but of course, I didn't know it was horrible. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like one of those things, like you don't know how horrible a relationship no, is until you find the right one. And you're like, oh my gosh, why did I stay in that relationship? But anyway, so it was sort of like that. Um, but then in November 2013, I decided to buy a new iPad, so I gave my first iPad to my mom. She still uses it, but I got this iPad Air, and right around that time, I believe it was probably about the same month, a pencil came out. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the most amazing tool to work with paper, and paper was really the only app I was using for drawing, the only one. I knew Procreate was around. Some friends of mine had been telling me about it, but again, all the features and so forth were a little intimidating. Right. So for me, pencil is great because A, it really slides very well on the surface of the iPad. And I think that without applying too much pressure, you can still get a really nice dark stroke with the pencil, mm -hmm. uh, the actual pencil um, tool of, of the app. So I love that. And the reason why I still use it to this day, in fact, I have two of them. I have one in my purse at all times, <laughs> and I have one uh, on my couch when, uh, when I want to just not go into my purse and get, get the other one. The reason why I still use it is because I cannot use my Apple Pencil with my iPad Air because they are not compatible. That's, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. I was furious. Oh, me too. When they came out with that Apple Pencil, I was hollering and hooting. Uh -huh. And my husband said, what's uh -huh. the matter? I said, they came out with the Apple Pencil. And I had just yeah. bought the Air too. I said, this is going to be awesome. Of course. And then they said, oh, no, 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 no. Only no. the Pro. Only the Pro. So I said, I do not want a big, huge iPad Pro when I travel um, to, to do sketches on. So this year, when they came out, with the baby pro my um and i are one of our my mac members came up with that little um uh moniker of baby pro mm -hmm. i bought it immediately and i've never looked back i love it's 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 the ipad air 2 but better but the apple pencil with it france is just oh yeah it, it, it's phenomenal yeah it's i just, i bought in march which was about four months ago now um i bought the ipad pro the gargantuan one i call it <laughs> <laughs> there's the baby and gargantua i guess um but Yes, the 12.9. And unfortunately, I feel the same way as you do. It's the portability that really yeah. uh, lacks. I mean, I, I don't want to transport this thing in my purse. My purse doesn't have the capacity to carry it. So I leave it at home. And that's why I keep my iPad Air, because I want to be able to just grab it when I'm in a waiting room or when I have a minute and sketch something. Um, but it's true that the, the moment I touched that pencil, that Apple pencil, and tried it at the Apple store, that's it. I, the hardness, and you, you probably will agree with this, um, the hardness of it as compared to the softness of pencil by 53 yes. when, it, when it comes in contact with the surface. <gasps> and the fact that you, you, you see exactly where that exactly. tip is going. Exactly. I mean, to me, there, you know... Um, one of our listeners, Dorothy Yamamoto, was on, and she was saying how, you know, in her life drawing class, people are actually bringing their pro and pencil because it's, there's no lag, and it's more true to a pencil or ink on paper. And I would definitely agree with that. I think, I mean, I could be very happy with, with this for a long, long time. I, I will here. say, though, one nice thing, France, is that you know, Apple iPads do kind of hold their value. So if you did ever sell your ginormous one and get a smaller one, you know, you wouldn't be 
you know, thankfully you don't take a huge, huge hit, you know, when you have to resell them. But as far as, um, what, as far as the iPad pro and the pencil, cause you've been working with that longer than I have. Do you, what would you like for future iterations of, of the iPad or the, or the Apple pencil? So for me, the iPad, um, I know it's going to sound silly, but we were just mentioning, uh, you know, being able to transport it. But one thing I struggled with once I bought it was, okay, what am I going to put it in if I want to put it, let's say, in my school bag? I had a hard time finding the right sleeve. Um, so mm-hmm. I ended up buying a MacBook sleeve uh, to transport it in. Not that it's, it's, it's not an iPad problem per se, but it, it is a transportation portability issue that I think maybe should have been addressed when it came out. They should have had like a, a, a series of sleeves that were just for the iPad Pro. Not just mm-hmm. the cover, but really a sleeve that really protects right. um, like a felt-like uh, material, which is what I ended up finding. But again, the iPad Pro is not entirely snug in it. So, so far, that's really the only thing because I, 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 I cannot find anything wrong with the format or the feel of the 12.9 uh, iPad Pro. I really like it. I, I, the sound coming out of those uh, four speakers <laughs> is, phew, I mean, such an improvement from my iPad Air. Um, it is. So that's great. The, the one thing about the Apple Pencil itself, um, oh, although let me backtrack for a second. Yes, we could always improve the price of an iPad Pro. Yes, yes, because I know. <laughs> I ended up buying the 128 gigabytes I really would have gone for the 256 had it not been over $1,000, which I couldn't do. I just, no, I, I, I couldn't I just justify. I agree with you. I no. mean, it's, it's very, very, they, they definitely, you know, it's pricey. It's, oh, and it, yes. It prices a lot of artists right out of that mm-hmm. realm when they can, you know, go get a Surface Pro or something else, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't have the Apple Pencil, but yeah, the price yeah. is... Yeah. What, now, what about the pencil? The so Apple the pencil, pencil. It, itself, um, I have to say, I was, I mean, of course, you know, um, I loved the design when I when I first saw it, but I find it bizarre that there is this cap at the end of yes. the pencil that is going. It, it is bound to get lost. It's asking to get lost. It's gonna get lost in my couch. It's gonna get lost in a bag. One day, I'm gonna lose it, and I'm gonna have this ridiculously ridiculous (laughs) looking pencil with the missing end. And I find that to be a true, I mean, I I love John Ives, like, uh, you know, the next person, I think he's amazing, but I find that to be a flaw of the Apple pencil. I don't, I, of course I don't have the answer. I'm, I'm complaining about this, but I don't have a solution, but Shouldn't there have been a like a retractable thing that could have Absolutely. like come in and out Absolutely. to protect that that little male uh, you know uh, thing? The, or, uh, I forgot what it's called. Pardon my lack of vocabulary there, but no, it's, yes, it's, I, it's, the, it's the lightning port. Um, that's it, but, lightning port. Yeah. Yeah, but I have to say, you are absolutely correct. I don't think that was thr- when you're talking about a hundred dollar accessory. This is a hundred dollars. This isn't like a twenty dollar or right. you know even a fifty dollar mm-hmm. you know pencil by fifty three. But when you're talking about um, a div- uh, 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 accessory that has circuitry in it, you know, and what bothered me, and I think I mentioned that in one of my podcasts, it's always it's always bothering me, is that you know it just rolls off. It rolls so- exactly, whereas pencil by fifty three just lays flat with a magnet. And- with the magnet, and yes. you don't have to worry. Yeah. And 
I do have to say, though, that one of, um, again, Kurt Blanchard, who um, is an artist, and he, he found a couple of really great uh, hacks for that. And so he did, he did one of two things. He took, um, you know, like a pencil, uh, excuse me, a pen, you know, how it has a little uh, clip. The yes. Right, right, right. A clip around. Yeah. Okay, so okay. Yes. so he, he clips that. But the other thing is that you can go to an art store and I think they're less than a buck. Maybe they're more than a buck, but it's, um, you might find them in the drafting supplies, but they are a triangle with a hole in it. It's a plastic triangle and, yes. and drafts people use those. And he uses those as well. And I thought that's brilliant because yeah, that's all not? you want to do is you just don't want to have it rolling and dropping. On Especially with the weight because it is, it, it is not uh, so light, certainly not no. as light as a pencil by 53. And it tends to want to, to roll because exactly. it's not light at all. And, and that's true that, you know, I had not thought of that little triangular thing, but I've seen it in stores and it's, it's better on your fingers anyway because it's softer usually. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I should try that. Because I do that. think that was uh, an oversight on Apple's part, is not to have some... I, they do have aftermarket um, accessories that you can put on your pencil, and it's a little plastic um, thing that goes over the cap, mm -hmm. and then it has a little hole that you hook onto your pencil. So if the cap falls off, it's still... It's in that little plastic thing. You can find them on Amazon. Okay, I think it's okay. like $10. You get two okay. of them for $10. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's something. But, you know, Apple should have addressed that. People shouldn't have to go pay, you know, extra money to have their pencil be safe. Exactly. Because as it was, I ended up taking some leather and I... And I made a case for it that has Velcro because I'm thinking, how am I, you know, yeah. what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. It should have come with a case. I At mean, least. And something that is really, I mean, you, you've noticed though, and this is probably the case on the uh, Baby Pro, that uh, on, the, on the side of the iPad, there's a magnetic, uh, there's a magnet somehow right. that does attract the pencil. But I find that it, it's not really enough to no. keep it there. So, it's not strong. And, you know, the thing is with a smart cover that has the magnet. So the smart cover for listeners, um, when you put that over your iPad, when you take it off, it, 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 it wakes up your iPad. When you uh, close it, it puts your iPad to sleep. So what's nice about Pencil by 53 is they have a magnet in the Pencil by 53 that, it, that when you put your uh, oh, yes, Pencil that, by 53, oh, glorious, glorious. It, it's, it's right on, it's securely on to your smart cover. And I thought, how hard would have that been for Apple to do? Yeah, you know? I stayed like that for three years with my iPad in my purse every day and the pencil by 53 just safely like <laughs> stuck to, to the, the smart case. It was perfect. The only, cab, uh, the only uh, complaint I have about pencil by 53 is that sometimes they have a kiss to pair, as you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. that tip is so sensitive, it won't pair. Yep. I have to take it off and put it back on. And I'll, it's that to me is very frustrating. And how that. easily it wears out. I have to yes. say it's, it's always been one of uh, the, the things I've bemoaned about, about the quality of that rubber like thing at the end, it really wears out too quickly it and does. it's, and it is soft. It's very soft. Mm -hmm. You had, um, you know, I had mentioned uh, in the intro that you, of course, have two blogs. You have wagonized.com. And I love, I love your name, Wagonized. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you want to tell us about yes, Wagonized? Yes, of course. Well, it, this comes uh, from my obsession with cars and um, 
particularly with with wagons. Uh, I I'm, I really have had a love for wagons for as long as I can remember. Really, I I grew up in a factory town in France. Uh, where Peugeots were made, you know, Peugeot cars. Right. And that probably accounts for a lot of, of this um, this passion, I guess, that I've had for cars because I used to always see the latest models coming out of the factory oh, gates, nice. you know, before they came out for the public, you know. <laughs> it was really cool to, to see, like, you know, to have, like, a... It was very avant-garde, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, so... Um, Love them in, in particular, the wagons. The wagons always caught my eye. I always thought, oh, yeah, that's a nice sedan, but whoa, the wagon version is so cool. <laughs> so I've always been into wagons and um, particularly the ones from Scandinavia. There's something about Saabs and Volvos that I've always been a huge fan of. And again, from as, as far as I can remember, I was like 10 years old already, you know, looking for Volvos on the parking lots of supermarkets and things like that. So... Wagonized, I guess, is is a way to turn a noun, a wagon, into a past participle of a verb, which doesn't really exist, but it kind of does, which is to wagonize and to be to be wagonized, I guess, to to be under, you know. I think um, it's very clever. Well. But your Tumblr blog, because mm-hmm. so, you know you have your Tumblr blog, and you now do you find that you um, upload more? Uh, sketches to your Tumblr rather than your regular blog? I do more now, absolutely. But I, it's also because I've, I've found that there's definitely a shift that has occurred over the past few years, more away from the traditional blogs and more towards those micro-blogging platforms mm-hmm. where you just like put up a picture, put a quick caption, and you're done. Instagram is one. Exactly. I also, yeah, yeah I, I also try to use more Instagram now, even though I've oh, had okay. Instagram for years, but... I really never used it for, you know, for the purpose of showing my drawings. And it's only in the past about two weeks, really two weeks (laughs) that I have decided to, you know what, why don't I turn this Instagram thing for, because it looked as though so many people are on Instagram now, just as much as Tumblr. So um, I'm using Tumblr and Instagram kind of like the same way. And and Twitter is is up there too. But it's true that it it simplifies um, how how you're going to show your your work to the world a little bit. Now on your Tumblr blog, uh, I think a few weeks ago, you re- you had a post and I really loved it. And just to paraphrase you and I'll have mm-hmm. you explain it. Yeah. It was wonderful because it was about being, you know, children, you know, um, their enthusiasm that they can do anything and their belief they can do anything. There's no mistakes. They Can you draw? We can draw. So do you want to talk about that? Cause I'll, I'll let, cause I love, I love that, uh, that post France that was just fabulous it was actually um in response to to somebody um the, this really amazing uh artist uh who posts uh self self portraits on 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 Tumblr all this to say that he had uh he had typed something along the lines of uh what happens to i can do to i can i should say what happens to i can and when does it become i can't and oh my gosh for me it, it's really, I, I joke and say, oh, puberty happens to this. <laughs> but, you know, I taught middle school. And I think I, for years, well, not too many years, but I taught four years of middle school. And I really had a front row seat to this almost sad transformation that you see in 12, 13, 14-year-olds mm-hmm. from this capacity to do anything because they don't know yet what limits are 
to this self-consciousness, to the, to the moment where they're like, uh, no, that's going to suck. People are going to think this and that and this and that. And that's, it's really striking to see a sixth grader becoming an eighth grader, to see a, a perfectly able artist become a, you know, preoccupied with boys, preoccupied with girls, yep. preoccupied, basically a preoccupation with matters that take away from the ability to just sit down, be on your own. Because that, that's another thing that I was when I was a kid. I was a very solitary kid. I mean, I had friends. I was, you know, not completely socially inept, I don't think. Maybe I need to ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I was solitary a lot of the time. You know, a lot of the, the, the hours that I spent drawing was because I was not out playing soccer. Maybe I should have, but um, I was just in my room drawing and... I think that solitary time when you get to be like 13, 14 is sort of like looked down upon and is no longer cool. And you have to be with a friend. And and friendship, you know, there's such a strong emphasis on friendship in our cultures, which is great. I think, you know, we, we should all learn to be friends and nice to each other. But at the same time, it sort of puts the pressure to be a social being at the cost of other things. And that's unfortunate, I think. I think you just summed that up beautifully because I agree with you that middle school age is very hard. They have to, uh, they have to be part of the norm. They have to be cool. They're very self-conscious. They have to have the right clothes, the right shoes. You know, they can't be different or if they try to be different, then they're looked, like you said, they're frowned upon. They're weird, you know, and of course you have your little subgroups, you know, like your people that will only wear black and their gothic Mm -hmm. makeup, you know, Mm -hmm. but you understand that they're trying to express individuality. That's all they're trying to do in this sea of, you know, norm. Mm -hmm. And I understand, I I really do understand that because I know I, I, my uh, youngest son, I could see him going through that and I just missed it with my eldest son, but I thought, oh, that's terrible. And his teacher, who is just fabulous, um, she said, you know, the sixth grade is the hardest grade to teach because they're they're um, they're that tween stage. You know, they're not an adult. They're trying to be cool. They're trying to find their place in the world, and they have to give up something. So my son was a musician, and he finally he you know he had his own group of musicians. You know, and they had their own jazz group. But you know, they um, other kids would be like, oh, you're not doing sports. You're doing music, you know? And and that, that was really interesting. Do you find that in France as well? Do you find that France tends to nurture their, their arts and kids rather than the U S I wouldn't say that we nurture it so much, uh, because for instance, in my, in my experience, you know, art was not offered past seventh grade. So at least it, no, it wasn't. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. In, in my uh, in, in my course of study, what I studied, I decided to study uh, languages. And because I decided to study languages, I had to make a choice at the end of ninth grade to take um, certain classes uh, yes. in, in high school, which did not leave any room for anything. This is very hard for an American to comprehend how the French system really locks you up at the age of 15 in a course... Um, that is going to take you all the way to that big exam at the end of, at the end of high school. But really, when I say locks you up, it really does. If you want to do art, then that's what you do. But I, I wasn't sure that that's what I was going to do because, first of all, I wasn't sure that I was going to make 
anything out of it. So I didn't do art. I decided to go with languages because they came to me easily. I thought I was going to be my thing. Um, so basically, I wouldn't say that we are more encouraged in France to, to pursue art in any way. But what we are not encouraged to do, definitely, is to be pushed in sports like we are here in the United States. Yeah. Um, here in the U.S., um, you know, joining uh, a team is really part of your high school experience, middle school too. But definitely it's just like part of, you, okay, you take your academics and then you do your sports. In France, uh, sports are not offered in the schools. They're usually something that you do with a municipal team, you know, on Wednesday ah, afternoons okay. or on Saturdays. Yeah. So um, sports don't play such a big, uh, big role. Now, mind you, Soccer is a religion. I was going to say it's not <laughs> foot, football. I know I don't mean American <laughs> yes. football. We, yes, we, yes. my husband and I said, you know, if we keep going to France, we're going to have to have a team. We're going to yeah. have to, we're going to have to, you know, go, you know, team name or something. But, um, well, what about electives though? In France, the curriculum does not allow for art electives because here, even if you're in the college uh, track, you know, you take college classes, you still have electives. So you can take, you know, an art class or you can, you know, do something as an, you can't do that. Um, well, you can to a certain extent, but again, it has to be within the uh, boundaries of whatever that big um, exam that you're going to take at the end of high school, which is called baccalaureate. I don't yep. know if you've ever yep. heard of Le Bac. Le Bac. Le Bac. Um, yep. Right. So you, you have, for example, I wanted to continue taking Latin and that was my only option. That was the, my only elective, but it was, it, it was an elective, but it was really in, in the guise of, well, really you, you take languages. So this is the elective that you're being offered. So it still was very much in the, in the confines of those languages that I was taking. So I took my years of Latin on top of, for example, uh, German, English, and, and Spanish. Because I think it's sad, I do have to say, in you being a teacher, I do think it's sad in the U.S. that um, when you look at historically at societies, what is left of them? It's usually their architecture and their art. And we tend to forget about that in modern times. And if there's budget cuts, what do they cut? They cut the arts, they cut our music. I mean, what we, if we didn't have Mozart, if they had cut out Mozart, you know, his curriculum, yeah, I'm just saying is that it's so sad because I think we put too much of an emphasis on sports and most kids never really perform sports at a athlete level. Exactly. We put all this money into them, but yet our arts, you know, the drawing and the painting and, you know, the music and that we tend in the acting or theater, whatever the kids want, um, those tend to be the first things on the chopping block. And that has always bothered me. I know when I went back to art school, they had a digital arts program and um, they had budget cuts. And I had to speak with the provost because he was going to cut out the digital imaging, which that's, you know, if you're going to be, if you're taking photography, you've got to, you have to know how to do Photoshop and Illustrator and all the illustration classes. So he tried to tell me that the reason they were cutting that digital imaging class, and it's maybe because I was an older student and I had an attitude. Um, he tried. Well, you to had say, an opinion. And then oh, yeah, I had an opinion, but I've always been opinionated. But he tried to tell me that the nurses needed the sim dolls. And I said, well, wait a minute. I used to be a nurse. Let me tell you about the sim dolls. So it ended up we, he, didn't cut, he didn't cut the digital imaging. But I just thought, you know, the first place they look is to the arts. They don't look any other place. They look to the arts. And, yeah, that, I, that, and, and I think our culture here in the United States, really, it, it's so hard to, to step back and really look 
and realize how much sports take in the the, the place that they take in the academic life. Yeah, it's a, just when you look at high school schedules around the country. Yes. they are made around sports. We start at seven ten in the morning because kids have to play sports after school. I mean, it's it's for a European, it is yes. mind boggling, mind boggling. And you that think, kids, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, if you think about the time that they put in sports, you know, and, and parents had their kids going, 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 going. But if they actually had downtime where they could take a drawing class or oh. they could. God know, forbid, God forbid having a minute to sit down and maybe perhaps experience boredom so that you could probably <laughs> create something to, to find your way out of it. Yes. But instead, we overbook these kids. I see I see them, I have them in class. They get home tired from their hockey game at nine o'clock in the evening and they start doing their homework. I mean, it's how so sad. And of course, they don't go to bed until 2 a.m., some of them, because they have all these honors and AP classes. It is, again, from a European point of view, it, it looks like a madhouse what we're doing to these kids. But I think, and, and, and I stand by this, I think it's, it, it comes from a huge fear that we have in this American culture that, you know, God forbid, if we leave them at home for five minutes or an hour, they might do drugs. I, I agree with that. But I also think that, um, I think the Europeans have a different attitude with work weeks too. They like in France, they take what August off. I mean, the month of, of, of August is off to be with family. We have a workaholic culture here and our, our work weeks. I mean, I know if you're working, um, you know, it's nothing for you to be called after hours. Well, now they have a law in France where you can't answer the yes, phone. I thought, I that's awesome. That. Same with the emails. and. Oh but goodness. see, in France, Europeans have this balance. Because I once asked one of my French friends, I said, how can you eat all the cheese and drink wine and bread and not ever gain a pound? And she said, it's all moderation. You know, it's everything is in moderation. They, they, they just eat. And we our portions, you know, I love going to France because the portions are real portions. They're not like these gargantuan, ginormous <laughs> portions here. It's like, no wonder we're fat. We should only be eating one cup of food. We're eating three at, when you go to a restaurant. So I know it's me. Yeah. Now, teaching, to get back to teaching for a minute, because you teach at Danny Gregory's Sketchbook School. And I do. You, mm -hmm. ha you have a class coming up, I believe, correct? Yes. Yeah, so in August, uh, we are running again uh, the class that, that I teach, which is part of uh, Stretching. The semester is called stretching. And um, it, it's basically a, a bunch of us um, uh, artists. Gosh, I just called myself an artist. You are oh, an artist. Geez. You are an artist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, some people uh, like to say art, art makers. I mean, I like you, that. You, I like that. It's true. <laughs> um, and so basically, uh, my lesson is part of this, this uh, big theme of stretching, stretching your, your comfort zone, you know, stretching out of your comfort zone. And, um, and my, my piece is mostly about cross-hatching. So I, I, I will uh, be showing, you know, how I do cross-hatching, and I explain while I draw, and I share my, my sketchbooks and so forth. Oh, well, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity as well for people that don't think they um, are artistic is to take some of these classes because Danny's classes seem very low key, France. Am I correct? They just yeah. seem very relaxed and you do have homework, right? You do yes, have homework. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. 
And do you share them via Skype or how no, does that work? No, what happens is uh, once um, students sign up and they they watch the videos and they go and do the homework on their own, then they post on the forum and okay. they get the feedback of, of us, the, the faculty, faculty with a K, <laughs> and, uh, and we get, you know, quite a bit of, of interaction on these forums. It's really nice. Um, so you get to talk directly to the students. I mean, talk, uh, uh, text, uh, you right, know, via right. forum, uh, you know, form. So it, it's really, uh, it's really a great exchange because everybody gets to see each other's work. So people comment, and I get to comment, and they get to ask me questions directly, and um, so it's very interactive. And that's wonderful. It, and that inspires other people too. Cause I'm sure if they're thinking, Oh gosh, I don't know what to draw. And then, you know, you can get yeah. inspired by looking at other people's work saying, Oh, maybe I'll try that. And that's really what you do in art school. And someone comes in with um, a technique or something, Oh geez, I'm going to try that and try to make it my own, you know? So it's a nice sharing of ideas. Now it's very reasonable too, because it's every day, correct? They take the class every day yes. and it's for six weeks. And it can be, weeks. it can be also at your, at your own pace, because obviously you can, you can spread out, you know, a, a lesson over several days or you can binge do the lesson really it really is up to you I, I believe um but the way I've done for example um I've had access to other other people's lessons and and I'm, I'm more of a binge uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a well binge consumer I, know, I really loved on um on Frances Tumblr blog and her Wagonized blog you finally got into Breaking Bad. We have talked oh. about Breaking Bad ad nauseum on Three Kiki Ladies. It is to me between The Wire and Oh, uh, The Breaking Wire. Bad. I oh, own season funny. three on DVD. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just think uh, it's fabulous. But I have to say is um, the way that you did those pencil drawings. So, again, people, she stopped a scene in Breaking Bad. Uh, that's right. And you, yes. and you drew it. You drew yes. it on the iPad. Yes. So this is exactly how it happened. <laughs> so I would either watch on TV, but mostly because I don't have cable TV. I don't watch TV. I only have Netflix and uh, Apple TV. So whatever news I get from that. Right. But I'm rarely... In fact, if I could show you, Suze, on my TV, there's a, a cover that my mom made with a, a quilt that protects it from dust, just to give you an idea of how little I use my TV. My TV is actually covered with a cover so that it, I don't have to dust it. It's just covered. So That's a first. I know. In fact, look, I mean, you know, you can, you can probably see it. Uh, can you see it in the oh. distance from where oh, you are? Oh, I can. Oh, okay. that's too funny. Right. Oh my so gosh, anyway, too funny. Um, all this to say that TV is really not my, um, my thing. Uh, and that's right. probably why I can tell people, yes, you can draw 20 minutes a day because the 20 minutes that you don't waste, you know, watching 10 minutes worth of commercials anyway, because that's what TV is most of the time, um, a lot of commercials. Um, all this to say that TV, yes, it's sometimes on, but when I, when I watched um, Breaking Bad, I was drawing on my couch on, on the evening and my baby uh, iPad well, the nine point, uh, <laughs> yeah, the baby, part. right. Um, would be sitting on the couch and that's where Breaking Bad would be playing. And I would be drawing at the same time and sort of paying attention to the show, but not really. And that's why I had to rewatch the entire show because <laughs> there were things that I heard, but didn't see. So the scenes would be right there. Something would attract my eye. I would pause it, have it on the iPad right in front of me. And then I would get on the iPad pro, the big one on my lap. 
and draw what I saw on the screen of the small iPad next to me. And um, I, found, I find the cinematography of that show to be so mind-blowing and beautiful. It is that, beautiful. Oh, I would, and of course, sometimes just stopping it would not be enough because then it would go to sleep, so I would have to do an image capture and save it for later and, and do it like this. But it would take me sometimes a good 30 minutes to do a, a, thumbnails of, a thumbnail of a scene. Oh, it's great. And you know, there's a spinoff series called Better Call Saul. I it's heard. A, it's, it's a prequel. But what I loved about one of the drawings that you did with the Breaking Bad is the, is the legs. Is you know, just the way that light oh, is yeah, hitting. Yes. That's fabulous. Oh, and, and, you know, Gus, of course, you know, oh. I loved. I thought he was such a great character. And oh, what really a great character. captured. And that's the other thing I think people need to know for a minute, too, is that your portraiture, France, is beautiful. And you use the sketchy uh, app quite a bit. Yeah, I started in January and really uh, what had been going on with me for the past, I would say maybe two or three years is I, I had been trying to get into something else than drawing faces because I did a lot of that. And I, and I think that's really sort of my comfort zone to a certain mm-hmm. extent. I'm, I love drawing people's faces. And then over the past three years, I've I thought, well, you know what? I need to draw more architecture. I need to learn more about perspective. I really always tried to, well, to stretch, you know, right, a little bit, my right. abilities. So th- that happened. But then I, I started seeing these things on Tumblr, sketchy apps, sketchy apps, sketchy apps. What is this? It started driving me crazy. I went online. I checked out the sketchy app. And oh, my goodness. Here's this app where people post pictures of usually themselves or loved ones or whomever. And you, as a quote-unquote artist, you can just choose any one of them, and you draw it, and you post it. And what an amazing concept. That and is. in January, I decided to download the app, and, and I, of course, didn't have the crazy um, goal of drawing one a day. I think that would have been unreasonable, because it does take time to draw right. a portrait. More time than just draw, again, to go back to the glass of water, you know, a glass of water on the table. For me, it's, it's pretty time-consuming. It's still tedious, you know, laborious to do a, a, a portrait. Even though I, I think it's something I love doing, I love the tedium of it. I really do. I really love the fact that it's going to take me two or three hours sometimes to do a face. And that's okay. Now that my daughter is older, I can, I can do that. Uh, you're, because your you're, uh, portraits, like I said, are just beautiful. And I love, for me, I love the ones of... Um, Christie, Chris Christie, mm. you really capture his fleshiness, his, his, you know, his, I don't know, his demeanor. And I think, wow, how does she do that? I just can't get over those. And I, I know you have kind of a, you know, I don't I know, think- you know, a lot of people told me you made him look too nice. And, and maybe it's true. I, I have a tendency to be kind, maybe, to yes. the, because Chris Christie or, wh- or whoever else, I, I tend to really love the features, you know. I, yeah. I, you, you draw a face like you draw a map, you know. It's like, oh, look at that crease by the nose. It's so cool, <laughs> you know, and look at those little wrinkles. And, and, you know, the more wrinkles, the better, because that's why I love drawing Keith Richards for a while. And um, I do, though, like to stay away from drawing celebrities because then – we get too caught up in the resemblance yeah. aspect, whereas really yeah. just drawing someone who's unknown, and that's why uh, Sketchy is great, because I really try not to to worry too much about resemblance. I try not to just translate. I just do what I can. And it's really about enjoying those features rather than just getting to that goal, you know, like, oh, how well did I 
draw his face. Well, you know, sometimes it's kind of off, but, you know. Like the Chris Christie, you know, the the, the draw, on, the, I think the, the cheek on one side was way too big. Well, well, you know. I think he should pay you to make him look, because you make him look good. You make, you make <laughs> you him actually, so? you make him look handsome. I'm like, wow, she does a really good job with him. Now, because you, even with your portraiture, France, France you, you tend to, you know, do cross-hatching to create the volume. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost like you're creating the skin over an armature when I noticed when you do your when you do your heads and it's just absolutely exquisite because you it looks so three-dimensional it just looks like you could go out and touch that person oh I think it's so interesting that you use the word armature because that's exactly how I feel when I and and also when I try to explain to people how cross-hatching works it's more the work of of sculpting than it is really a 2d thing is the moment you hatch you really have to know that you're hatching on something that is curved most of the time mm-hmm. like let's talk about that mushroom again you know like that that mushroom right. that's curved or an apple or a face when you hatch your hatches have to sort of like take an, into account the fact that you're not hatching straight you're hatching around that shape like a sculptor uh, on, on the armature that you're talking about. I think that right. that's, a, that's a great term. I'll, I'll steal that from you if you don't mind. <laughs> you know, we didn't even do this beforehand, did we, Francis? <laughs> no, now, do you, have you broadened out into doing like any um, painting? Do you do like oil painting or acrylic? Or Because I could see that your work could just really just just seamlessly mesh into like an oil or acrylic painting. No, you haven't done that? I have never touched an oil. I mean, I have not even with a 10 foot pole. And that's because I don't know how to. And one day, again, on my list of things to do, and maybe that's why I'm so looking forward to the future is because, well, maybe one day I'll learn that, you know, maybe one day I will be, I will have the guts to, to go and buy oils and maybe take a class or maybe try it on my own. But I'm afraid if I really play on my own, it's, it's going to take me a decade to, to figure it out. So, um, I've never tried acrylics either. I, I am not a usually a very. Um, I don't want to say that I'm not good. I'm going to sound disingenuous, but uh, really, I don't feel comfortable in color in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, black and white is really my domain. I, I, I feel as though values are definitely what I love playing with. But the moment you add colors, and I get ooh. You know, why, why do people use purple here? And, and, you know, I agree with you. I know some people that are fearless with color, but I think with your black and white work though, um, even your, your color work that you do with cars and buildings and other things, but your, but your black and white is so much just about the juxtaposition between, you know, shadow and highlight and dark and light. And I think when people see that, they, I mean, there's just such a beauty with black and white. It just takes all the extraneous stuff away. Do you sell your work, France? I mean, do you sell? I do. Um, in fact, for um, for as long as I've uh, I've started this this blog about ten years ago, I've been uh, I've been contacted regularly for commissions. Um, I have some up on on the Flickr page uh, from from a while back. Um, I do commissions, especially portraits of, of kids and grandparents and dogs. A lot of people love having love. their dogs drawn. I <laughs> love drawing dogs. So I love when someone approaches me and asks me to draw their dog because it's uh, it's one of the things that I love doing the most. Um, so yeah, I do I do commissions as well. And 
so just that we're winding down our podcast, what are your favorite apps for the iPad to draw with? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're asking. As I think uh, your listeners have already found out that we love uh, or loved, well, I still have a lot of love for, for paper, um, for how simple it is. So I would say paper by 53 uh, because it was also the first app that I ever used to draw with. Um, so paper by 53, definitely. And the fact that it's free now just makes it impossible not to not to at least try. Right. Um, <clears throat> and procreate. Those are the two I use. I do not have any other drawing app. And maybe I should, but at the same time, I don't want to get lost. I love the fact that I, I'm starting to really get comfortable with some strokes in procreate. I use two constantly, which is the 6B pencil and then a technical uh, pen. And that's what I stick to. I like that. So I keep it simple, just like the, uh, the material that I, that I transport in my purse every day. I just have a pencil case with just a couple of pencils and a couple of pens, and that's it. I try not to get lost in too much. So Procreate and, 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 pencil, and uh, paper. And the sketchy app to draw. Portfolio. Oh, that, of course, for inspiration. I apologize. Yeah. I should have said that. Yes, because it, it is where all the inspiration comes from uh, for my latest uh, yeah, portraits. Mm-hmm. Because that could be another obstacle when people think they have to go out and get, you know, the perfect sketchbook, you know, the perfect pen. I mean, we talked briefly about Andrea Joseph, and she just draws with a ballpoint pen. So, I mean, oh, there's, no, yes. there's no reason... And you have, I've seen your tumblers where you have just taken a napkin or a mailing mm-hmm. envelope. You take anything that's at hand. Or a placemat, because it also, and this is something that talk about removing, you know, obstacles to, to the process of drawing. I think if we just grab what's at hand, and if it is the first pen you can see on your table or something you borrow from the waiter when you're at the restaurant and draw on a placemat, it really relieves a lot of the pressure of the drawing because you know it's going to be temporary. You're probably not going to take it home with you. You're just going to leave it there. Someone's going to that's crumple right. it and throw it away. And that's okay. That's okay because it really, it really does train you to, to make art that is disposable and it's perfectly fine that way. Because your art is not always worthy of being put on a, you know, on, on, in a museum, Absolutely. far from it. And, and really, it relieves the pressure of doing something. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be so great. Watch this. I'm going to do a drawing now. <sighs> you know. Because nothing, you know, is, is, you're not drawing just to create a masterpiece. You're usually drawing to either train your eye or just something interesting that catches your eye. Like you That's said, right. a glass or a salt and pepper shaker. But... I think we have to get rid of the preciousness because that's an obstacle when you think something's precious, a, a pen or, or you, you, the white page of a brand new sketchbook because, you know, you don't want to mess it up. Oh. Just, you know, you're going to have to mess it up. I, I like the fact, I think it's Liz Steele. She's another uh, sketcher that you I know. I love her. Yes. She, she just starts off with her palette. You know, she just draws. And I think that's great. You know, you just or her teacups. My gosh, I think she's drawn every teacup that's ever been, you know, made. <laughs> Indeed. In fact, I have, uh, I have an original here of hers that she gave me. I, I met her once and we sketched in the city and, and she came up to me and she said, oh, Francis, this is for you. And she gave me a drawing of one of her teacups and they're fabulous. They're fabulous in how loose, she's so much more loose in her strokes than I am. You know, it took me an hour to do a drawing sitting next to her. She had, <laughs> she had done four. She's so good like that. Uh, yeah, what an inspiration. She's definitely uh, somebody I look up to in, in her capacity to just, 
you know, grab the paper, draw, move on to the next one. I think that's fantastic. And I think, again, you know, it allows her to be exploratory because she's not out to make the perfect teacup. She just draws it and she moves on. And, And I think with listeners, just pick something, you know, a glass that you love, pick something and keep drawing it. Just draw it and draw it until you feel happy with it. And with the iPad, there's no excuse anymore for people not to be exactly. able to draw anywhere. Exactly. Be- because you're not transporting sketchbooks, so it's not a matter of no. weight or whatever. I, I I always have a big purse. It's usually a backpack anyway. Yes. Um, so portability and also the fact that, okay, now the, the anxiety of the blank page, well, it's not a blank page anymore. It's a screen that you can, you know, do over. Although I, I would advise people at first to not try to undo all the time, but to just sort of accept whatever it is that they drew and just work with that as much as possible. Oh, I agree, France, because, you know, that's one beautiful thing about any of the apps is that you have like a gallery and you can see your improvement. That's yes. wonderful. And you yes. don't have to share anything with the world until you feel, you know, you've done something that you feel really good about. But you can just, you, I think it's important to be able to see that improvement. And oh, it's, I agree. You know, a digital gallery right there. France, thank you so much for being on Three Geeky Ladies. Oh, it thank was you. absolutely a delight to speak with you and talk to you about art. And uh, I will have all the show, um, everything we talked about, the apps and, uh, you know, Danny's sketchbook school and all of that in the show notes. So people can uh, contact you if they want a Great. portrait or, you know, uh, take the class from you and buy your book and and definitely start following. I just lurk. I never comment, but I lurk. I always hate that word lurker. No, I it love sounds that. like it sounds Fine. so pathetic, but you know, no, I, like, oh, I, I, know. I, I do my fair share of lurking too. <laughs> Trust me. It just oh, sounds I so do. nefarious, but <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Well, not thank all. you, France. Well, the and privilege was mine really, Suzanne. What a, what a pleasure it's been to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Hey Tim. Uh, Tim, we're going to do the show. I'm, dude, I'm playing Boba Fett pinball, man. But Tim, it's time for us to record Tech Fan. Well, this is about. Oh, dang it! Oh, I went in the Sarlacc pit. I hate when that happens. Um, Tim, Tim, my. I know you like pinball, but we need yeah. to do our show. We need okay. to talk about technology and, and gadgets uh, and even video games, even pinball. And, oh, did you say something about pinball? Yeah, I did, but you weren't listening. I think I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tech I think it's gonna be a solo show. Go, Boba Fett. Oh, huh? I'm sorry. I'll put this down. What? Let's record a show. It's the Tech Fan Podcast right here on the Stoplight Network.